Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. All right. Good morning, Bruce. Welcome back. Well, not you. Welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Welcome back to anyone who is listening to our tribe, to our audience. And Bruce, great to see you. It's been a while since we have been together two weeks to to be in fact. And a lot has happened during that time. And today we're going to be talking about Nelson Nash. I'm going to give a quick intro and then we're going to dig into this book and what's been going on in our lives since then as well. So we're continuing on with Nelson Nash's Becoming Your Own Banker. We are in episode 19 of a series. If you ever have a series that's that long, it means there's a lot to unpack and uncover. Today, we're talking about the retirement trap. And I want to put a few things out there before we start this episode. First, if you are new to infinite banking and the idea of Nelson Nash and becoming your own banker, this is a tool of using or a strategy of using specially designed whole life insurance for the purpose of becoming your own banker, building a business storing capital where you have control and being able to earn dividends and interest so that you can really have a long-term growth pattern in your financial life and you capitalize up front and reap the benefits for the rest of your life and generations to come. So that's really the crux of what becoming your own banker and infinite banking is all about. I would like to ask you at the top of this conversation today, if you are new to the podcast, please let us know. I'm new. This is the first time I'm finding your episode. And if you're live with us, you can answer that question. If you're commenting after this episode is being recorded, we'd love to hear that too. And then please go ahead and share with us, Do you are you currently using infinite banking? And so that's a yes, no question as well. And then I'd also like to know, what is your number one question about retirement, social security, pensions, taxes, or infinite banking? That's a broad question because we'd love to hear your thoughts and your questions on all of those topics. So that's what I would love for you to pop in the chat. And if you like this episode, and if you're liking the content that you're seeing from The Money Advantage, please go ahead and put a thumbs up wherever you're watching or listening and go ahead and review as well or subscribe depending on what platform you're on. So Bruce, Thank you for being with me today. I'm really excited to dive into this topic, but I did let our audience know last week that you were with your wife who'd had surgery. That was the extent that I'd shared. Is there anything that you would like to share with us before we dig into the topic today? No, I think uh, from feedback that I've heard, people are enjoying the uh, series of going through Nelson's book, the, the book report from the clients that have reached out. So I'm just anxious to continue to go through this and it won't be the... Uh, I don't think it'll be the last time that we go through the book because um, I've been going through the book over and over and over throughout my career. And I find something very helpful when I'm reading almost every time that I do that. So um, I'm excited to to, uh, to do this retirement trap today because I think it's something that you really have to rethink your thinking, as Nelson says, to uh, look at this in a different light. Absolutely. Well, I am not sure my network is showing properly because it says that we are not live on one platform, but I believe that we are. So 
Bruce, if you see any live comments, I may not see them due to the situation. Yeah, yeah it is. It looks like uh, it's very unusual because on YouTube, it looks like there's only two participants, which, which are probably you and me. So I don't know what is going on today, but it looks like there might be some technical challenges. If there is, and if you're not hearing us live, we would love to hear your questions and respond to any comments that you share on YouTube after the fact. If we are indeed having technical challenges, I apologize for that in advance. So let's dig in today. What I think is really interesting about the fact that Nelson brings up retirement at all is that he's thinking comprehensively about finance. He's not just thinking about life insurance specifically. He's not just thinking about um, using it as a storage tank for your capital and building a banking system, but he's thinking completely comprehensively about your financial life because the end goal or the the end of the rainbow, the pot of gold, if you will, for most people in their financial life is retirement or today. In today's day and age, if you ask somebody what their financial goals are, usually it somehow is going to have the word retirement somehow in that answer. And that's because the end goal tends to be, I'd like to work, put money aside, have that money grow at some point, stop working and retire in order to be in a position of living off of whatever has accumulated or grown and and hopefully not run out before the end of my life. That's the typical financial paradigm. And Nelson is really confronting that face-to-face in this chapter where he's saying that's not necessarily a valuable end point and here is why. He's laying it out in terms of what government planning looks like, what the financial options are for being able to get into a position that retirement is the end goal. And he's really looking very comp- comprehensively, I would say, about economic, political, social factors that are all playing into this paradigm that we have that retirement is even a good idea to begin with. And he says there's a trap of retirement. He's not just talking about the psychological impacts of retirement being a trap. He's talking about the political, the taxation, the financial, the economic, all of these factors that are creating something that looks attractive and ends up, in fact, being a trap. And how much would we really want to know that if our paradigm is leading us to the wrong conclusions to begin with? We would want to be able to assess that, recognize the challenges of having that endpoint, and then be able to course correct. And that's what Nelson allows us to do with this chapter. So Bruce, is there anything that you'd like to share before we really dive into the content that he lays out here? Boy, it's, you know, this is one of the things that um, I think is very controversial. And and Nelson used to talk about how we're being programmed. He doesn't really talk about it in this uh, chapter, but he, he talks about how the American people are programmed both uh, willingly and unwillingly. And what I'm, what I mean by that is, you know, through marketing, which we've, uh, I guess you could say we've perfected in our society. Um, as we speak in October of 2023, Meta, which is the former Facebook, is being sued by 30 different states because they knowingly knew that their presentation on their platform would make uh, their ideas and their platform addictive to young people. And they knew this. And uh, that way they could increase their advertising dollars. 
And so wow. that's an example. I was not aware that's of that. A, yeah, it was, just, it was just announced this morning. And what's interesting is uh, there was some internal documents that actually were shared that they knew this was happening for uh, young people. And they were doing it anyway because of the advertising dollars that would come with it. And this is We're going to talk about this later on, but um, what's interesting about this is there's always this fine line that you have to walk in a publicly traded company because they have a fiduciary responsibility to actually, to their stockholders, to grow their uh, stock price. And Nelson brings this up uh, in as far as government-sponsored programs, which are directly affected by the stock market. And what you talked about for retirement, Rachel, I don't think everybody kind of thinks about this. Everybody says, I'm saving for retirement. But saving is actually not having any risk. People should be saying, I'm investing for a retirement. But nobody talks, says it like that. They always say, say, I'm saving for a retirement. And we're going to walk through this. And I don't think we're going to get through the entire chapter here because there's a lot of things to talk about. But uh, this is really going to be about rethinking your thinking. And right now, I know there's people listening that are already cringing because they're like, no, 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 I want to retire. I know I want to retire. Well, I would just challenge you to rethink your thinking because what are you actually getting out of it when you do retire? A lot of people think they reach this utopia situation and yet research shows and also not only for societal benefits, but for your personal benefits, you may find it better that you don't totally retire, whatever that word means. Uh, Bruce, there is so much to talk about here. I think one thing that we're going to address today is problems with retirement, but then we're going to address really what Nelson lays out as the trap of retirement. And this, I would best be able to articulate as this web of marketing that has come from primarily the government but that has created an entire infrastructure around this concept of retirement and has and there's so many components to that that all seem like they're working together that seems like it makes sense and so we're going to unpack what that trap actually is so that you can understand the truth about finances and financial control rather than just accepting a paradigm that's given to you because it seems like the right thing considering all this infrastructure and all the marketing that's coming from every direction around you. So Bruce, I think we probably should just talk about that trap first. I think that's really where Nelson starts Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. this chapter. And so I'm just going to go ahead and come out and say this. I put this in the description of the podcast as well, but really retirement and specifically social security. So social security, Bruce, you can define what that is in a minute and kind of lay out that, but it's a socialist idea. So I'm not talking about the what of social security right now, but I'm talking about the why of social security. The why of social security is that all people pay into something that the government controls and then the government disperses the funds that we need in order to be able to have income after we quit working. So if we step completely back from that perspective and really understand what's happening, not just 
I pay for my paycheck. It goes to social security. That name is on the check. And then I get a social security check later. If we really look at that, we're trusting the government to be able to take care of us. We're saying, I'm going to surrender some of my financial control to you government now so that in the future, when I no longer want to be working, you government can take care of me. And that's why it's a socialist idea because it's ultimately saying we're trusting the government. We're putting our financial control in the hands of the government. And so when we think about retirement, usually the government is the one who is going to then supply our needs during those later years and allow retirement to even be possible in the first place. And so you have to wonder, why are we giving up control to the government? Why should the government be involved in my financial life to the point of taking care of me in my later years? That's just a the very zoomed out perspective to really understand what is actually even happening with social security. So Bruce, with that in mind, can you go ahead and kind of just unpack as much as you want to about social security? I know you're always great about history and really understanding what's happening with that. Yeah, this is a very interesting, I I think I want to start with the fact that people think social security is a retirement program. And it's really not a retirement program per se, because um, it was really designed uh, in 1935, when we're coming out of the Great Re- Re- uh, Depression, to get the people that are in the workforce, the older people in the workforce that frankly were older than the, the life expectancy at that time, to get them out of the workforce so that they could be replaced by younger people in the workforce. And it was actually... Um, was actually patterned around uh, Germany and uh, Bismarck, who actually did this in Germany in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And this was a, a way to supposedly spark the economy. And it wasn't, it wasn't uh, supposed to be an amount that a person, the only thing that they would do, use. It was supposed to be just to cover their basic needs so that they could you know, survive without actually being in the workforce, but they were also expected to have other, you know, income from savings and so on and so forth, or um, they were going to continue to work. And as Nelson points out, is that um, there's been many changes to this program throughout what is, or we're we're right around uh, getting uh, close to uh, 90 years now from 1935. 90 years will be 2025. We're in 2023 right now. And there's been many, many changes. A couple of changes to think about were where there was, uh, it originally was not taxed. It originally did not have the uh, government pension offset. It it originally did not uh, have the windfall elimination provision. It originally uh, did not have caps for uh, earnings. It it originally did not have um, a tie to you, uh, Medicare because Medicare wasn't brought up, brought back, or brought into existence since uh, the middle '60s. Mm. It, uh, it was a orig- It was then later on taxed a different way, and uh, all this was what Nelson was saying: is if you think that you're in control, you're not. Because they're the ones that are divvying this out, so they're in control. And the final thing before we continue is 
I just want every one of the listeners to think about this. This is a thought experiment. Nobody takes care of your money the way you take care of your money. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people have good intentions. And in the capitalist society, you can get closer to taking care of people's money better because you have an incentive at, that you're going to make money as a business, whether it, whether it be an investment business, an insurance business, uh, a bond trader. They have a vested interest to try to be good so that more people use them. But when you don't have an invested interest like the United States government or any government across the world, that they're going to get paid their salary, whether it works or not, nobody's held accountable. Then you really can't understand that nobody takes care of uh, your money the way that you would take care of your money. So staying in control is the most important thing. I think what's really interesting about all of this is that Ultimately, your goal is to be in control, right? I mean, even if you didn't think about it in terms of, I want my money accessible where I can reach it. But if you just thought about what you really want in your financial life, it's to be in control. It's to not have to worry if you're going to have money. It's to be able to make financial choices that you want to make. It's to be able to have freedom to do the things that you enjoy and not have to be in fear of either running out or not enjoying life well all along the way. And in order to do that, you have to have good money habits. You have to have discipline because you can't have that freedom without the discipline and the restraint and the limits of good financial habits. But when we really look at what we want being control, the problem is that the retirement idea leads us out of control without us even realizing it. And so we get all the way down the road of this paradigm to where we're supposed to be. And we find out we actually lost control and we didn't get what we were hoping for. And the problem is that we've been believing the lie all the way up until this point that retirement is the way to go and that social security is going to take care of us and that we should be thinking towards this idea of retirement and that that should even be our paradigm. And so we're working towards the wrong endpoint. I really like how Nelson starts out this chapter and he um, said that he um, finally put it down around on paper in 1976, the bicentennial year. Um, so that is 200 years after the founding of America. And really what he said, he said he put these words down for on his birthday for posterity. And he came out and said something extremely bold. And he didn't just say, retirement is a trap. He was very specific about what exactly he meant by that. And here's what his quote was. He said, social security will fall as have all socialist programs since time began. Before it falls, they will attempt to prop it up. The source of funds that they will use is the reserves of private pension plans and other government sanctioned schemes. Now there is a lot packed into that. And I think it's really important to understand what he's actually saying and what that means. But it's, I like that he started with such a bold claim because it really makes you consider the facade of this paradigm towards retirement and why it might not actually be a good idea. And that's the starting point that we can really work backwards and look at all of the components that are leading to this retirement idea that are not taking us into the position of control that we want. So, um, Bruce, what's really interesting here is that 
social security, as you were just sharing the history of social security, that's a component of being able to take care of people after they quit the workforce. Then Nelson is saying social security will fall. So he's saying it's not going to last forever the way that we have seen it work in the past and that we expect it to work. And this promise that you pay into a government program, the government program takes care of you, that's elusive and it's a facade. It's not a a reality that we can depend on that promise being fulfilled because it's based on a shaky foundation. He doesn't talk about all of why it's a shaky foundation, but then he says before it falls, they're going to attempt to prop it up with reserves of private pension plans and government sanctioned schemes. Bruce, can you talk about what that means? Yeah. So what he, what he means there, okay, let's just talk about a little timeline here. So um, in 73, the IRA was established, individual retirement accounts that you could actually um, tax defer money if you put it into these plans. And then in uh, 75 was what I'm sorry, 76, when he was talking about, he had this epiphany that this, that Social Security was going to, to fail and the government government programs were going to bail it out. Some people equate that to the, the uh, taxation within those government plans because you do not, you do not know how much you're going to pay in taxes from tax deferred plans. And then coincidentally, in 1979, the 401k was, um, was established through Ted Benna, who was a human resource manager who was looking for a way to compensate highly compensated employees, wanted to compensate them even greater, but then give them a tax shelter for that. And then uh, in 85, I believe it was, I can never remember if it was 85 or 86, it's the middle 80s, is when they came out with changes to Social Security where they actually added the windfall elimination provision, took taking benefits away from certain uh, in employees of certain places. They put in mm-hmm. the government pension offset, which took away survivorship benefits to certain employees. And then it also moved the retirement age from uh, full retirement age from 65 on a step up to where it currently is anybody after born after age, excuse me, after 1960, it is out now at age 67, which is called full retirement age. Now, full retirement age, you can actually um, get Social Security before that. But what full retirement age means is that you can actually make as much money as you want, and it doesn't affect your Social Security benefit. They do not withhold some of your Social Security benefit. And so that's what Nelson is referring to uh, as far as they will get to the reserves of private pensions plans and from government sh- sanctioned schemes. And those schemes are what he, he talks about the tax deferring because they can change. There's a couple of things to think about. Governments cannot uh, directly invest in the stock market. Okay. They cannot do that. And that, thank God they haven't tried because that would manipulate the stock market. Mm-hmm. Now, they still manipulate the stock market indirectly on certain things because the Congress people actually pass laws to benefit certain things, but they cannot put the money that they collect into the stock market. 
So what they can do is encourage U.S. citizens to do it. They don't have to pay the fees to do it to the government. And so the so I don't think a lot of people, I hope this is an aha moment for a lot of people. When you invest in an IRA or into a 401k or, or 403b or 457, any tax-deferred instrument, you have to pay the fees for the entire amount, even though you do not get to keep the entire amount, because part of it, it goes to taxes. So you're actually paying fees on the amount that the government's going to get. It's a brilliant plan. So the government doesn't even have to pay the fees on the part that they're investing in. So that this is, is what fascinating. And I think that deserves even just emphasis. And I think that's all I'm going to do. I'm not even going to repeat what you just said. But the emphasis is that you put your money into IRAs, 401ks for the purpose of investing for retirement it's an investment because it carries risk, it's not savings. And then you're investing, say $5,000. It's going to grow. It it grows in the market or your employer adds a portion to it. You think the whole balance belongs to you, but it doesn't. The whole amount is being invested. You're paying fees on the whole amount and then taxes are being paid at the end so that you invest, you paid the fees for money that does not belong to you. Absolutely. And they decide. Yeah. And they just, and, and you don't even know what those, what those uh, dollars are going to be worth in the future because you don't know how much tax the taxes are going to be on those in the future. So you have so no cer- certainty. Yeah, no certainty. You're putting money in. You hope it grows. No matter what it does, you're going to pay taxes in the future because you didn't pay them today. And you don't even know if you're going to have more that you take out in the future than what you put in. It's, I mean, it's kind of like writing a blank check in a way. You're putting money in hoping that it turns into something valuable for you. In the future, you're going to have to pay taxes at an unknown rate because we don't know what tomorrow's tax rate will be. And you don't know what the growth pattern of your money is going to do along the way either. So you don't know what ending balance you're going to end up with. Yeah, let me uh, address one. We have a question. Latoya Jones oh, awesome. uh, asked, she said that you know a lot of countries are increasing the retirement age. France recently did this. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I was just talking about. The United States did it in the early 80s, and they're projecting that they will do it again. And what I find interesting in the question, and I'm not trying to uh, single out Latoya Jones here, but even people that worry about that, and maybe Latoya is not worrying about it for her per- herself personally. Maybe she's saying, you know, she's she's trying to prop it up. Um because in, in the numbers keep moving around, but somewhere around 2034, which is getting close to only 10 years from now, the uh, Social Security will have only about enough money to pay 75% of the benefits. So what you're going to hear, what you're going to hear on the news is they're going to say Social Security is going to run out of money. And as Alex is talking about mo- what is really money anyway? Because it's uh, it, it's fiat currency. It doesn't really represent anything but the full faith of our government. Well, if our government people lose faith in it, then the money's going to be 
worth less and less, and then they're going to just print more and more, and it's a it's a death spiral. And all fiat currencies have done this, and we're not telling people we're not telling people this to get them to worry. But one of the ways that you can overcome the effects of fiat money, the devaluation of the dollar, inflate because of inflation and all this other stuff is to actually stay gainfully employed. And the best way is to actually build a business. And it's not easy, but pick your hard. Mm-hmm. Running, running out of money and depending on the government is hard. Building a business and staying gainfully in car, in, in, employed is hard. So you need to pick your hard. And I frankly would like to pick the hard that I can have control of. And so... Bruce, that uh, applies just straight across to infinite banking as well. I mean, in any position, you are going, somebody's going to sacrifice. Somebody is going to bear the pain of something. And I'm looking at this in light of parenting right now. Either you, the parent, bear the pain of putting limits on your kids and being able to form them into something that is going to be productive, or they will bear the pain of having been formed by whatever is around them. And so you can choose to either take that pain now or let them suffer the pain of never having limits and then confronting reality later and having that pain later. It's the same thing with setting up your infinite banking policy. You can have the pain right now of capitalizing and building a business, which is exactly what you're talking about, Bruce, is building a uh, an, a business where you're serving customers. You also have the opportunity to build a banking system, which is bearing the pain today of capitalizing, not having full access to your money, of knowing that you're building something for the future, or you can end up at that future point and realize that you are out of control because you didn't bear the pain earlier. Yeah. And uh, I would say, Rachel, a parent is also going to bear the pain when they become teenagers. Uh, So yes, you you can have the pain now or you can have the pain later. Uh, I saw that a lot when I when I was in education. So Latoya, I think, I think, yes, they're bantering around that they're going to move retirement age again for Social Security. And first of all, I don't personally, I don't see anything wrong with that because I don't think you should be beholden to them. And secondly, we're living longer. And I know there's going to be some people who are going to be screaming into the the uh, microphone right now uh, that say, no, we actually, the for the first time, um, the average person um, for mortality actually went down last year, and it did. But we have been living longer. And way much longer than what Social Security was supposed to actually protect people from. And now, listen, I'm not saying every congressman is is evil, but I think the system bears evil. So good people get into the system thinking they're going to do uh, really good things for other people, and they get caught up in the system. Let, let me let me give you an own personal example. Do you think in your neighborhood where you live, you should have a centralized situation where you decide what everybody else in your neighborhood does? You know, you tell them, hey, you can't spend that much money. Oh, you know, you make a really good living. So why don't you give some to your neighbor on your right hand side? I mean, what if you wouldn't do it yourself personally, why are you allowing other people to represent 
We're talking about 535 people that are representing the entire 330 million people in the United States and the future people that are going to be born in the United States. It's a very centralized thing. And it's and the, the, the thinking of this really gets people in trouble. So this is a, a lot to be able to um, stay focused in the conversation, even just because there's so much to talk about. So let's go back to the trap and that idea that Nelson specifically said Social Security will fall. But he said what's going to prop it up is the private pension plans and government sanctioned schemes. So you mentioned, Bruce, that IRAs and 401ks, these are government programs that are designed by the government to fix the government's problem that they created <laughs> with Social Security. And so Nelson jumps forward and he says, whenever the government creates a problem, read onerous taxation, and turns around and creates an exception to the problem they created, read tax shelter retirement plans, et cetera. Aren't you just a bit suspicious that you're being manipulated? Bruce, I think you said that on the show. I can count probably about 20 times because it's so true. When you have somebody creating a problem and creating the solution to that problem, then you're going to be manipulated into thinking, well, that solution I absolutely need because of that problem when we're uh, obscured from the reality that the government created the problem in the first place of this taxation that they're laying upon us and then creating this idea that there should be a retirement as an end goal and that they're going to contribute to helping take care of us in that position of retirement. Then they provide the retire or the, the ways to set aside for retirement. I'm using the word set aside instead of save or invest, put money aside for retirement. They're saying, well, you can do that in these tax sheltered advantageous ways where you're not going to pay taxes today. Well, you're going to actually pay taxes in the future. They're manipulating you into being able to do that. But all along the way, they have control over your investment that you think you have control over. And Bruce, how can they use the reserves of private pensions and other government sanctioned schemes in order to prop up Social Security. Can you help us understand that? Well, it, it, the, the fact of the matter is that they're putting, in, putting that in and they can change the rules in the future. So, um, example, they just did it a, a couple years ago when they said, now when you inherit a IRA, you used to be able to do what they call a stretch IRA. So you could stretch the payments that you were required, what's called required minimum distributions. You could stretch those out over your lifetime. Because before you got it, they were the person that set it up was stretching it out over their lifetime. And they used to, the government used to allow you to inherit it and then just stretch it out over your lifetime. Now they said. No, 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 you cannot do that. You actually have to take it out over a 10-year period. And actually, they're going to make, they're actually going to make a ruling over on that um, uh, come after the first year because there's still some gray area whether you can you have to take it out over a 10-year period or it just has to be emptied over um, before the 10th year. But either way, it shows that the government now where you used to be able to take a hundred thousand dollars. And the first payment out of it would have been somewhere around $3,800 and pay taxes on it. So taxes on $3,800, obviously, is not that great when you compare it to now over 10 years, so 100000 And if it doesn't grow, that's 
ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand out rather than three hundred. Yeah. So they're getting three times more taxes now than they had gotten in the past. So that's why he's saying they're going to use these programs to actually prop it up because this is a way to get more uh, taxes. Now, you know, indirectly, some people might, and rightfully so, would say, well, wait a minute, that's unearned income, and that doesn't go towards Social Security, only working income does. However, you have to understand that it's all one big pie. It's all one big pie, the income, just like your income is all one big pie. So you have to determine what the purpose of the money is. And if you can get more money from here, then you then Congress could say, okay, we have more. Now we're going to prop up Social Security by using that money because we have to do that. So yes, so, that is the way that they would manipulate it and do that. So basically, so basically, I'm going to break it down in like kindergarten terms. The government requires us to put money into Social Security. They say they're going to pay out from Social Security for us during retirement. They don't have enough money to do that. If you look at even just generations, then the amount of people in the working class to fund the number of people who are drawing on Social Security, we're in an upside down situation right now with fewer workers and more people needing Social Security. The government does not have the ability to pay all of what's promised in Social Security. It's called an unfunded liability. It's a requirement that they've set on themselves to make a payment so where are they going to get that money from? They can't invest money to get money. They don't earn any money by providing value. They don't own a business. No, they tax. And the way that they're going to draw additional taxation without just jacking up the tax rate to 50, 60, 70% and making us all say, whoa, 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 I don't like America now because they're taxing me too highly. They're going to say, well, instead, you have to withdraw out of these tax qualified plans quicker so that I, government, can get that tax that I need so that I have the income to be able to make some of these payments. I don't know if that's uh, clear or if there needs to be anything that is add just added to that. I think it's very clear. And, and what's interesting, I just opened up one of my newsletters that I read every, every week and the current underfunding is $22 trillion by social security alone. So let's just, I mean, I numbers are so bizarre to try to wrap our head around. And I don't even know if I'm going to do this justice, but 22 trillion, just social security alone. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is okay. A thousand has three zeros. A million has six zeros. A billion has nine zeros. A trillion has 12 zeros. I mean, honestly, it's just so baffling. We can't even comprehend it. Even a billion is only what 1% of a trillion. Is that how it works? Is that how it works? Correct. Correct. So we can't even barely comprehend a billion dollars. And that's only 1% of a trillion. So you need, I mean, 22 billion would only be half of 22 trillion or 1% of 22 trillion. That's just unfunded liabilities of Social Security alone. I mean, that's a gigantic sum. Yeah, depending on what year it is. But I think the, I think the government will collect about $2.3 trillion in total revenue this year. Um, and that's just in... in what they collect. So even if they took that, it would take and and just stop paying everything else. It would still take them 10 years 
just to get to the underfunding amount of Social Security. Of current requirement. Current requirement, yes. Not not the additional Social Security draw that will be next year and the year after and in those 10 years that it took to pay for it from today's revenue. Right. So there's a there's a lot of people that are thinking, well, they, they're going to have to do something. Now, listen, I think they're going to do something. I don't think it's necessarily going to be great. I forgot who once said this, and, and, I, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but they basically said, think about drinking alcohol. So when you drink alcohol, you get the pleasure effects, but then if you overdo it, you actually get negative effects later on. Well, when you try to solve a problem, it's like the exact opposite. You already have the hangover. And so it's going to take you a long time to actually feel good again. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what's happening right now. We've been drinking alcohol with fiat currency and our government just spending like, as some people say, drunken sailors. And they, everybody feels good about it right now. But then there's going to be a hangover and it's going to take a long time to get over that hangover. And the worse your hangover is, the longer it takes to get over that hangover. So and this is we can, what. Yeah. And we can all point to the idea of saying, well, it's just always been this way, but we don't realize this exponential problem we're creating financially in our country. And it cannot continue at an exponential growth. The problem cannot continue to exponentially grow ad infinitum or however you say that term. Uh, So that's why not retiring makes a heck of a lot of sense. First of all, Nelson used to say this all the time. Look up, look up the definition of retire in the Webster dictionary. And it says to take out of service. So why do, why do we want to be taken out of service? Most people want to be taken out of service because they hate their job that they're in. I mean, that's just reality. Mm-hmm. And people, people haven't rethought their thinking enough to actually get out of their situation. And I've actually coached many of my clients over the years to rethink their thinking, be optimistic. Figure out a way to do something differently, whether it's with your current employer, whether it's uh, starting a business on the side, whether it's starting a business completely, whether it is um, a combination of the two, slow down in your current job and start a business on the side. A lot of people don't think employers would do this in my generation. They think, oh, well, there's no way. I'm telling you, because of the demographics right now, in Employers do not want to lose their best people because they can't even find people to replace replace them. And they're not even people that have the same kind of work habits and wisdom that the older generation has. And I'm not trying to be grandpa all get off my lawn kind of bah humbug kind of guy. It's just the it's and there's pros and cons to my generation having that mentality, like I'm going to do things no matter what. But the fact of the matter is, is that you can negotiate your way through this life and your business situation to continue to work. I've used this example before. My father just turned 84 years old. He still does physical labor 20 hours a week 
by taking care of a parish cemetery. And he enjoys it. And when people see him with me, they think, oh, my goodness, this guy's in better shape than I am. And he's mentally sharp. People cannot believe how mentally sharp he is. Mm. But he comes from a long line of people in his family that just continue to work until they were their death in, the, in their 90s. And they were happy as heck. And they were very fit. They were mentally sharp. Nelson talks about this also. It's not just that you're trying to contribute to your own life and society, but you're contributing to a better life for you as you age. That's really important. Do you want to just do you want to just get old or do you want to get old in a productive way? You know, Bruce, there's so much in what you just said. And I, I just wanted to add a little bit to it. This idea that work should be a paradigm of I am an employee, the challenge with that employee mindset or thinking of yourself as just an employee and that being your only frame of reference for when we talk about working or not retiring, the challenge is if you're doing work for somebody else that you don't like doing, you're not using your full God-given skills and abilities, you're not developing yourself and you're not really reaping the rewards of serving people powerfully. Well, it's a frustrating position. If you feel like you're just trading time for money, you are putting in the time, doing what someone else tells you to do, and taking home a paycheck, you're not going to feel that sense of control. Unfortunately, we often, many people don't step outside of that paradigm to realize that the employee mindset I mean, our system punishes the employee mindset, really. It tells us that that's what we need to do, but then it punishes that mindset and really rewards the, the, the business owner. So ownership is the paradigm or the path to being in a position of recognizing the value or the needs of other people and being able to serve them and develop your skills and abilities to truly bring value to others. And it's not always going to feel good, though. I mean, there's a lot of things that people want and need that doesn't necessarily light you on fire to be able to provide that value. But if you're solving legitimate needs that people that people have, and you're financially reaping the reward of that, there's nothing that is, um, there's no reason why you would ever want to stop if you're truly providing value. Because ultimately, we're all in a society that we want to have good relationships with people. And the way you have good relationships is to have reciprocal um reciprocal relationships where you are giving something and people are receiving something valuable in return and that's a positive position to be in everybody wants to get their needs met if they have a legitimate need and then be able to solve other people's needs i mean this is as simple as providing compassion to another person i'm not even talking about just in the business mindset but what happens is within business if you recognize the true needs of people and you meet those true needs both people are going to walk away from that interaction feeling feeling good. And then if you're also having a financial reward or financial compensation that's that's certifying that value is exchanged, you're also getting that benefit. So you're getting a psychological benefit and you're getting a financial benefit. There's no reason to want to stop doing that. It's just that we have to step into a position of thinking about serving others from an owner mindset. And Bruce, you're absolutely right. This can absolutely be done, even if you're in an employee role because you can think about how to serve your employer better. You can think about how to serve the customers of that business better. 
And if you're employing your mind to be able to improve things, you're having to always challenge yourself to think differently. You're having to develop yourself. That feels good too. All of these things that keep you working and keep you sharp are found in the working relationship. Yeah, I think this is a good this is a good place to kind of wrap up uh, this part of the chapter is your mindset will allow you to be an employee and reap the same type of psychological benefits of owning a business. Yes. In other words, feeling like you're in control. Mm-hmm. If you just if you just are optimistic and say, I'm going to go in and do the best I can every day to serve my employer, and then that employer then will be best serve society and thus get paid for it, and then you'll continue to get paid also. Instead of saying, oh, man, I can't believe I have to go in today. Um, I'm, I'm tired. I, I really don't want to do this. I can't believe how much money my employer is making off of me. All those are negative thoughts that do nothing for you. And if you really feel like that, then you have to get out of that situation. Pick your hard. It's hard to stay in the situation. It's hard to get out of the situation. So pick your hard. Mm-hmm. Which one do you, are you more in control? I would say the one that you decide to get out of the situation that you don't like or have the mindset that you do like it and you're going to make the best of, of this. So optimism is a mindset that you can control and a daily mantra to do that. So I think that's a a good takeaway for the end of the the program today is that you can have a business mindset as a W-2 employee also. Yes. So I'm going to try to pull all of these threads together. This chapter is really profound. I would encourage you to get the book, Becoming Your Own Banker, and read it from cover to cover. Um, if you just want to jump in, if this is the first episode that you're listening to with us, you can go right to that chapter if you'd like and read The Retirement Trap. That's going to give you a lot of um, fodder for thought, uh, food for thought. You're going to be able to um, really look at the rest of the book and the rest of life with a different lens. But the trap of retirement is that retirement is good for you. You should want to retire. You should set up all of your financial life to be able to retire. The problem is that once you get there, you realize that you're not in a position of control. And what we're saying today is that you can be in a position of control by rejecting or opting out of that entire paradigm that leads to retirement and instead embracing a perspective that says, I want to own capital. I want to own businesses. I'm willing to bear the pain, excuse me, bear the pain today of learning something that I don't have a skill set in and being able to serve other people better, whether that's ownership of a business or whether that is just ownership of your capital and developing your own banking system or whether that is getting out of an employee position and biz- and moving into business ownership or whether that is having a business owner mindset in an employee role because you can also take that leadership approach to any any position that you're in as Bruce was just talking about and changing that end goal of retirement to an end goal of providing the most value, serving people the most, having the best relationships possible, providing the most value, reaping the most financially as a result, keeping your capital, storing your capital, 
having financial control, that's going to give you a much better future. That's bearing the pain today, but that's being a true, I mean, I'm going to say it's being a true man, except I'm not a man. So it's being a true adult. It's being a a responsible person who's really saying, you know, I'm not going to make excuses or just go with the flow or just listen to the, the mainstream. I'm going to pick my heart and I'm going to embrace that today so that I can create a better future for myself and for my family. So there was a lot packed into this conversation today. I realized as soon as I refreshed that, yes, we were in fact live and I saw all the comments pop in as a as I did that. So thank you for anyone who jumped in and joined us on the conversation today. I'm going to let you know, we'll pick up back here with the retirement trap because Latoya brought up as well as we kind of hinted at, yes, God never said in the Bible, you shall retire or Abraham retired and left and led a great life. So there, there's a reason there are psychological and social and relationship reasons to not retire. And we're going to talk talk about some really powerful examples of people who did not retire and were serving people profoundly towards the end of their life and really how they embrace a different paradigm of control instead and, and how great of a benefit that was to them. So that's where we're going to pick back up in this chapter next time. And I'm going to say in closing, if you are in a position where you're recognizing the limitations of our financial system, the taxation system, social security, the tax deferment idea, and the idea that you're that you're investing for the future and hoping to be able to have just enough to not drain your principal, live off the interest, be um there's a word I'm looking for, but be controlled or led by whatever the stock market is doing and having to ride those ups and downs in the stock market. If you're looking for something different than that, we encourage you to reach out to our financial advisor team. And the reason that we would love to talk with you is that there is another way. It's just not as mainstream. It's not as common knowledge. And it is, we're we're saying the opposite of what most people are saying, leading towards retirement. We're instead saying, go the opposite direction. And you can have financial control that really puts you in a much, much better position. We'd love to be part of that conversation for you and really helping you to be able to take financial control. So if you want that, go to themoneyadvantage.com. You can get right on our calendar and be able to talk with an advisor and figure out how to make that happen in your financial life. So Bruce, thank you for joining me today. This has been a pleasure talking with you this last hour. Thank you for all listening. And please go ahead and give a thumbs up wherever you're listening. Go ahead and subscribe. Please share this episode with anyone that you think might be having concerns about the status quo financial paradigm and really wanting to be in a different position and wanting to take financial control. We'd love to have you share that with them as well. And the more that you engage with our content, the more we're able to get this out and share it with other people as well. So thank you so much for being a part of that. And I'd love to know what you thought about the conversation today. So if you haven't jumped in the chat yet and you'd like to, please go ahead and just share what your what your takeaway, your top takeaway from this conversation was today. Bruce, anything else before I completely close this out? No, I just think uh, you got to rethink your thinking, really sit down and think maybe when you're laying in bed at night before you go to sleep about all the trials and pitfalls of being controlled and uh, instead of being in control. Mm.
Very good. In closing, please remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. We'll see you next time. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.